I'm probably going to be preaching on one of the most important subjects for a Christian this morning. I think everybody, and I pray that everybody underneath the sound of my voice is a Christian, is a born-again Christian, is trusting Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior. I'm going to preach this morning on one of the most important subjects for a Christian once you're saved. It's amazing me as a pastor that I've, I've run across people that don't understand this subject to a point to where they don't understand how God could forgive them. And if you don't understand the grace of God, you never will understand how God could forgive you. But grace is an amazing thing, and it's something that we need to look at this morning. 2 Peter chapter 3, chapter 3, verse 13. Nevertheless, we, according to His promise, look for new heavens and a new earth, wherein dwelleth righteousness. That's what we're looking for. We're looking for a new heavens and a new earth. We're, look, we're, we're not looking to make this place a better place. Uh, we're, we're looking to take care of man. We're looking to try to help man when they've fallen down. We're trying to help maybe somebody who needs some uh, food or needs some uh, food in their belly. We're, we're trying to help them that way. But we're not trying to make this place a better place. We know beyond a shadow of a doubt there's no way we're going to bring peace to this world. There'll be no peace without Jesus Christ. There'll be no peace without Jesus Christ. So we're looking for a new heavens and a new earth wherein dwelleth righteousness. Because that's the only way you're going to get a new heavens and a new earth. The only way you're going to get peace is through righteousness, only found in the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Wherefore, beloved, seeing that ye look for such things, be diligent that ye may be found of him in peace without spot and blameless. So as a Christian, we need to be diligent about keeping ourselves clean, be diligent about living the Christian life, be diligent just about living the, the Christian life like we should live. Verse 15, and account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation. We need to account that God is long-suffering. He's a long-suffering God, and we have some brothers. We might have some uh, family members that are lost, that we, don't know or, that we don't know if they're going to heaven or not. We need to thank God that He is long-suffering, that He will allow them to have a chance to receive Jesus Christ, the Lord and Savior, even on their deathbed. And we need to keep praying for them. And, and, and we need to glorify God for His long-sufferingness. We see how men live, we see how women live, and we wonder, man, how does God put up with that? Well, because He's long-suffering. Unless we forget that God has put up with so much off of us. <laughs> Amen. He has put up with so much off of us. And we account that the long-suffering of our Lord is salvation even as our beloved brother Paul, also according to the wisdom given unto him, hath written unto you. So now he's talking about, now Peter's going back and talking about Paul. As also in all his epistles, talking about the writings of Paul, that's Galatians, Ephesians, uh, Titus, speaking, speaking in them of these things, in which are some things hard to be understood, which they that are unlearned and unstable, they rest as they do also the other scriptures unto their own destruction. So some people don't understand the book of Galatians. They don't understand Ephesians. They don't understand the grace of God. They don't understand the forgiveness of God. And, and they're resting those scriptures to destruction. But notice in verse 16 that he calls Paul's writing scriptures. That's the word of God. Guys, he's calling Paul. He, Peter is calling Paul's writings the words of God. If you don't believe that, uh, just write this verse down, 1 Thessalonians 2.13, where Paul calls his own writings the Word of God. That's 1 Thessalonians 2.13. Now let's go on to verse 17. Ye therefore, beloved, seeing ye know these things before, beware lest ye also, being led away with the error of the wicked, fall from your own steadfastness. We need to be watching, guys, to make sure we don't fall away. Fall away from what? From, but grow in grace. 
grow in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. So Peter's at the end of this, at the end of Second Peter, this is the last thing Peter's going to write to us. He wants to make sure you realize, Christian, that you need to be growing in grace and in the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. That's the most important thing a Christian can do is to understand what grace is and to start growing in that grace. But grow in grace in the knowledge of our Lord Savior Jesus Christ to Him, talking about Jesus Christ, be glory both now and forever. Amen. Amen. And I want to preach this morning on growing in grace and the need to keep growing in grace. You know, I was, I was listening uh, to, about this old-time preacher, and this old-time preacher was... Uh, had got his teeth took out and he got some dentures. So the first Sunday he gets up to preach, he, he preached for 10 minutes. The second Sunday he got up to preach, he preached for about 15 minutes. The third Sunday he got up, he preached for an hour and 25 minutes. <laughs> and nobody could believe it. It's like, what's going on? And one of the members caught the preacher outside the back door, just like y'all would catch me, amen, and said, what's going on? Why are you preaching for so long? You only preached for 10 and 15 minutes the last couple of Sundays. And the, the preacher said, well, let me tell you what happened. I got my new dentures. The first, time I, the first Sunday I put them in, my, my mouth was sore. So I could only preach for 10 minutes. The second Sunday I put them in, my mouth wasn't quite as sore, but I could only go about 15 minutes. The third Sunday, I accidentally grabbed my wife's dentures, and I wasn't able to shut up. <laughs> amen, 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 brother. Yeah. I'm looking to get myself in trouble already. So what I'm trying to teach y'all is grace. Y'all need to show me some grace this morning, especially my wife. You need to keep growing in grace. What is grace? Grace is an unmerited favor. It's a free gift. It's grace. If somebody's giving you something, you didn't earn it. If you pay a dollar for something that somebody's giving you, that's not grace anymore. You've paid for it. Grace is free, it's unmerited, and it's important to keep growing in grace, and not to have fake grace. Uh, as, a, as a brush crew guy, we go through the alleys picking up brush. Uh, over the years, I've found people, they'll have those plants that stand about, oh, they stand about six, seven feet tall, they're fake. They're fake trees, little fake trees. You see, you see them in doctor's offices a lot, the little fake tree, and they'll throw them out there on the brush, and it looks just like limbs. It looks just like brush, and if you're not careful, you'll pick all that up, and we're not supposed to take anything plastic or anything down there because they end up mulching that up. So it's real important for us to get out all the plastic. So if we see something fake like that, we're supposed to take it and throw it out to the side. And it looks, it looks so real. But what we'll do is we'll throw that off to the side by that dumpster, and, and maybe a month or two later we go back and we're picking up some more brush, and they'll throw, that, they'll throw that fake tree right back on top of the brush again. Want me to pick it up? But the point I'm trying to make out to you is when you look at this fake tree, it doesn't grow. It's real pretty. And it would look real pretty, but there's one thing unique about it. It doesn't ever grow. It stays the same. And in grace, we need to keep growing in grace. We need to grow, guys. You don't need to have the same grace and know the same things you do about grace as when you got saved. As a Christian, we need to grow into these things. We need to grow in grace. Grace, when you study grace, guys, and you study, like, I love to study the lives of Dwight L. Moody, the life of Martin Luther, John Wesley, every one of these great men of God. It don't matter what man of God you talk to or you read about, they all were affected in a great way by grace. The whole Protestant Reformation was started by Martin Luther finding out about grace in the book of Galatians. You're saved by faith, not of works. It's grace. It's a free gift. He found that out. It changed his life. 
So we need to look at how we can grow in grace this morning. So let's start out in 2 Peter. We're still in 2 Peter. Look at chapter 1, verse 2. So we need to look at this morning how we can grow in grace. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1. Look at verse 2. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you. Through how? Through the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. So the first way you're going to grow in grace, guys, is to get to know Jesus Christ. That's a simple, that's a simple recipe, but it's profound. You, get to, you, get, you need to get around Jesus Christ. You, get to, you need to get to know Jesus Christ. You're not going to understand grace and love of God without getting to know God. Sometimes the reason why people don't understand the grace of God is because they don't understand God. They don't understand that when you receive Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, He's no longer a God to you. He's your Father. Grab a hold of that. That's what grace did for you. What grace did for you, Christian, was when you received Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, not only just free your sins and now you're going to heaven, it's more than that. Now God says, you're no longer an enemy. You're my son. You're adopted into my family. You're my child. And you can't understand that love and the grace that God wants to give you unless you're a father or a mother, unless you have your own child. And it took me having a child, having a son to realize, man, I have all this love for this little kid. How much more does God, who's got pure love, have for me? That's how you get, it's through a knowledge of Jesus Christ. It's not the the knowledge of science, the knowledge of history, the knowledge of mathematics. They cannot help you to find out more about grace. They can't help you to grow in grace. So going to college or going to be a professor or going to any kind of class or some online course is not going to help you grow in grace. It's only through the knowledge of Jesus Christ. And notice, though, I want to point something out to you before we move on. Grace and peace be multiplied unto you through the knowledge of God and of Jesus. Notice, Jesus our Lord. You notice that? You need to understand, what you, to help you grow in grace of Jesus Christ, you need to understand that Jesus Christ is your Lord. Amen. And you need to submit to Him as Lord. And when you start realizing that Jesus Christ, you not only found God, you not only found out about Jesus Christ, now Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior. He's out for you, He's on your side, He wants the best for you. And it's only through the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ you're going to understand all this stuff. You need to grow in Jesus Christ and grow in grace. Because when you grow in grace, you start understanding, you know what, Jesus Christ, Jesus Christ is not out to get me. He's out to help me. You know, when you don't have have Jesus Christ, you are condemned. And God is going to get you. You are going to be got. You are going to go to hell. But when you receive Jesus Christ, your Lord and Savior, then you're not condemned anymore. See, Jesus Christ, the Bible tells us, He didn't come in the world to condemn the world, but through Him the world might get saved. And then when you get saved, then He's on your side. In other words, He's your friend. He's your companion. He wants to, he wants to forgive you of sins. You see where I'm going with this? When you, when you mess up, you need grace. And when you realize who Jesus Christ is, you realize, you know what, Jesus Christ, he's not out to condemn me. He's out to put his arm around me and love me and forgive me. Amen. Amen. That's what you call growing in grace. Now look at 1 Peter chapter 2. Let's look at another one of these. How we can grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. We need to grow in grace. 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 2. Let's look at another way we're going to grow in grace. 
So look at verse 1. Let's get the context because this is some good stuff here. Wherefore, laying aside all malice and all guile and hypocrisies and envies and evil speakings and all evil speakings. Oh, I don't like that verse. All evil speakings. If there's one thing I have a problem with is my big fat mouth. And I, t- I run my mouth, man. I can, I can find somebody I don't like, and I can run my mouth about them 100 miles an hour. <laughs> and I can tell you everything that's wrong with them. And I've got to learn to get rid of that stuff. That's, and that's guile. That's hypocrisy. That's envies and all evil speakings. Look at verse 2. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that ye may grow thereby. So how are you going to grow in grace? You're going to grow in grace through reading and studying your Bible. It seems like every other Sunday, it comes back to reading and studying your Bible, doesn't it? Because <laughs> that's how important it is. Amen. That Word of God is where it's going to help you grow. It's your nutrients. You know, uh, Dwight o. Moody said, A man can no more take in a supply of grace for the future than he can eat enough today to last him for the next six months. He says, Or take sufficient air into his lungs at once to sustain his life for a week to come. We must draw upon God's boundless stores of grace from day to day as we need it. Grace is important from day to day. And what his point is a great point. He's saying you can't eat enough to be able to sustain yourself for six months. You need to eat every day. You need to try to eat. You need to breathe in every day. You can't hold your, just breathe in one time and think, well, I'm going to last a week now. No, you need this. This is a life of living. This is how you live your life. It's through grace that you're going to get from God. And you're going to find that grace through reading and studying your, ba- your Bible as a newborn babe. As a newborn babe in Jesus Christ. As newborn babes desire. You need to have a great desire for the sincere milk of the word. Amen. Typifies this as a desire a baby has for milk. It's how you're supposed to desire the word of God. Amen. Now Linda probably could stand up and give us all kinds of illustrations. She's had for the last week with her grandbaby at the house. But let me, let, me, let me give you this illustration about a baby desiring milk. When a baby starts crying as newborn babes desire the sincere milk, when a baby starts crying for milk and screams for milk, does it do any good to go up and say, here, little baby, let me give you a million dollars. I got a million dollars. I'll give you a million dollars. You just shut up. You know? Here, I'll give you this brand new car. I'll give you this brand new... You see where I'm going with this? Yep. We, we think a million dollars would solve our problems. We think a brand new car would solve our problems. We think, you need to desire the Word of God like a baby desires milk. Amen. There ain't nothing that's going to satisfy that baby until it gets that milk. Amen. You want to grow in grace? You've got to have desire for the Word of God. It's not enough to read your Bible for one day... And say, okay, well, I'll wait till next Sunday when I go to church. You need to be reading it daily. Amen. You get up and eat daily. I think most of us try to eat every day. Most of us try to at least take a, one or two breaths a day, amen. amen. The point I'm trying to get at is you need to be trying to read your Bible as much as you can. And just taking in that, taking in that supplement, taking in that nutrition for your, for the, from the Word of God for your spirit. And for the Holy Spirit, you think that's going to last you to do that once a week and then come in the next week and say, well, I'll just I'll grab a little bit. That's why you're weak. That's why you're not growing in the grace of God. You need to be like a newborn babe, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. And let me say this. 
When, uh, and I'm going to use Linda as an illustration again. Sorry, Sister Linda. She brings in her grandbaby. That baby always smiles. That baby's the happiest baby. That, ba- there's no, that the baby's so happy. And she tried to fool me the other day. She tried to call me. When I was at home, she tried to call me and say, you always say that baby's smiling. But listen, listen to him in the background. And he was supposedly screaming and hollering. But I think that was Brother Ronnie screaming and hollering in the background. And if it was the baby, it's because she was pinching it or something. Amen. That, that baby's the happiest baby. And that baby's the cutest baby. And I love that baby, Heston. But when that baby's 12 years old and it's still in diapers and it's still just all it wants is milk, that's not cute anymore, is it? When you have a teenager that's still in diapers, still only drinks milk, that's not a cute baby, that's obnoxious. And as a Christian, some of y'all maybe have been babes in Christ for a little too long. Time to grow up. Time to grow in grace in Jesus Christ. Uh, The Lord is long-suffering. He'll put up with you. (laughs) He'll allow you to be 12, 14, 15 years old and still wearing diapers. That's how long-suffering he is. I'm not saying he's happy about it, but he's long-suffering. Guys, it's time for us as Christians to grow up in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Another way we're going to do that, let me show you another way. The third way you're going to do that. The third way you're going to do that is found in 1 Peter chapter 2. Same same set of scriptures, but look at verse 3. Because look at verse 2 again. As newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. If so be ye have tasted, tasted that the Lord is gracious. Amen. What is he just saying? He's saying that you're going to find out and grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Grow in grace by living your life in Jesus Christ. Just by your life experiences is going to help you grow in grace of Jesus Christ. Have you tasted that the Lord is gracious? What do I mean by that? What I mean by that is, are you a sinner? Amen. Amen. I'm a sinner. Have you did some things that you're not real happy about? Amen. Well, let me ask you this. Have you got down on your knees and asked Jesus Christ to forgive you? Amen. Amen. Did you get up off your knees with that peace that passeth all understanding, knowing that you're forgiven and That's tasting the Lord is gracious. That's putting him to the test. Now, I hate to be the one to admit this in here, and I'm not going to make anybody else give me a testimony, but, man, I've had to do that a lot in my life. (laughs) I mean, I'm I'm talking about, I'm not talking about, oh, yeah, I told a little white lie. I mean, I did some sorry stuff I would never confess to any of y'all and had to get down on my knees and say, Lord, I don't know why I did it. And then feel the, the love of God come in there. The grace. And found out that the Lord's not, he's not against me. He was waiting for me to confess it. And he wants to cleanse me. He wants to wash me. I'm like a kid, a dirty kid coming to him. He wants to wash me up. He wants to clean me up. He wants to send me back out clean. He doesn't care what the world thinks. I'm his kid. Y'all know what I'm saying when it comes to kids. Your kid might be rotten. Your kid might be no good. Your kid might be sorry. But he's your kid and you still love him. <laughs> And the whole world might, I can't believe that kid. I, but you still love that kid. And no matter how many times that kid screws up, you're still going to love them. You're, they still got a home. You're still going to love all over them. And you're still going to want the best for them. And you'll, give them a, you'll let them 
You'll let them mess up a thousand times and a thousand times. You're going to say, he'll get it right the next time. That's love. That's the kind of love Jesus Christ, the kind of grace he has for each of us as Christians. And we need to grow in that grace and realize the Lord is gracious. And if so be, you have tasted that the Lord is gracious. Man, I tell you what, I can give the testimony this morning. I have tasted that. I've tasted many times the Lord has been gracious to me when he shouldn't have been. What is grace? Grace is forgiving me when he shouldn't forgive me. Grace is the Lord loving me when he shouldn't love me. And that goes for each one of y'all. And we need to grow in that. There's something about finding out about the Lord, how gracious is it, that something that just releases you. And knowing, you know what, no matter how much I screw up, the Lord's always going to love me. God Moody described it best as when him and his uh, song leader walking by and his song leader saw this old drunk laying in the side of the road, drunk and pitiful looking. And song leader turned to Dwight Moody and goes, look how pitiful that drunk is. And Dwight Moody stopped and he pointed at that drunk and he said, but by the grace of God, there go I. By the grace of God. Hey, it's by the grace of God I'm not in prison. It's by the grace of God that I even have a job. It's by the grace of God. You understand I'm a high school dropout. You understand I can't begin to tell you how wicked I am, how wicked I was, and all the wicked things I've done. And by the grace of God, the Lord still loves me and still blesses me. And gives me a job, gives me good health. Listen to this. I couldn't say it any better than this. This was written by a guy who wrote a book called How Can It Be All Right When Everything's Wrong? And he's writing about grace. He says, Grace... Grace does not make everything right. Grace, grace's trick is to show us that it is right for us to live. That it is truly good, wonderful even, for us to be breathing and filling at the same time that everything clustering around us is holy, wretched. Grace is not a ticket to Fantasy Island. Fantasy Island is dreamy fiction. Grace is not a potion to charm life or to our liking. Charms are magic. Grace does not cure all our cancers, transform all our kids into winners, or send us all soaring into the high skies of sex and success. Grace is rather an amazing power to look earthy reality full in the face, see its sad and tragic edges, feel its cruel cuts, join in the primeval chorus against its outrageous unfairness, and yet feel in your deepest being that it is good and right for you to be alive on God's good earth. Grace is power, I say. To see life very clearly, admit it is sometimes all wrong, and still know that somehow, in the center of your life, it's all right. This is one reason we call it amazing grace. Grace is the one word for all that God is for us in the form of Jesus Christ. Amen. Man, I couldn't have said it any better, so I read it to you. Grace is that important to us as Christians. Grace is just that important to us. Thomas Brooks said, a man, can find, a man may find out many ways to hide his sin, but he will never find out any way to, to subdue his sin but by the exercise of grace. The more grace thrives in the soul, the more sin dies in the soul. The more grace, the less sin. You need grace, guys. We need to grow in grace. And it's very important to grow in this grace of the Lord Jesus Christ. Let me show you one more this morning. Look at James chapter 4. One more way we need to grow in grace. We can find it in James chapter 4. James chapter 4, verse 6. 
So you need to find out, okay, how can I have more grace? We need as much grace as we can get. Man, I need it. I mean, we need it. Why do we need it so important, brother? We need it because we're sinners and we're wretched sinners. And let me tell you something about sin. And, and you don't comprehend sin as a Christian until you become an older Christian. When I walked down the aisle as a, as, 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 as a sinner, I walked down the aisle to accept, receive Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. I knew I was a sinner. And I received Jesus Christ my Lord and Savior. I got saved. I never felt so good, guys. It changed my life. Well, then, as I grow in Jesus Christ, and I start finding out about what God and Jesus Christ expects out of me, out of His Word, I start realizing, man, I just thought I was a sinner. I had no idea how bad a sinner I really was. And then I start realizing, as the Holy Spirit comes into my heart and starts living in me, and the Holy Spirit starts shining lights on different parts of my life that I didn't know was a sin, uh, I didn't realize how much a sin it was to be jealous. I didn't realize how much of a sin it was to be envious. These are sins. I'm not talking about drinking or smoking. I'm not talking about sins anybody can see. I'm talking about those sins we have in our heart that nobody can see. Those are the worst ones. See, we get saved and we think, okay, I'm saved. I'm going to stop drinking. I'm going to stop cussing. I'm going to stop smoking. I'm going to stop doing this and stop doing that. And I'm going to live a Christian life. I'm going to start going to church. Yeah, that's, those are good things. But that's cleaning out the outside. You're cleaning up the outside. But what the Holy Spirit does, He comes in, He starts cleaning up the inside. And as we grow in grace, we start realizing, man, I'm a sinner. I've got envy and strife and hatred, and I've got a big mouth that says stuff I shouldn't say. I hurt people a hundred times worse with my mouth than I ever have done with my fists. You might not be slapping your wife, but you're slapping her with your words. Things you've said. That psychological damage is a whole lot worse than physical. I'd much rather somebody hit me sometimes than some of the things they've said to me. You realize as a Christian, as you grow in Jesus Christ, that these things that are in your heart that maybe your wife or husband can't see, those things are wicked and they're evil. And you're like, I thought I was a sinner, man. I'm a really wicked sinner. And then as you start growing in Jesus Christ, and he starts expecting you to work for him, you start trying to hand out tracts. You start trying to witness to people. You start trying to be a testimony for Jesus Christ. And then you know what starts happening is? You start realizing, I should have handed out a tract, and I didn't hand out a tract. I should have mentioned Jesus Christ, and I didn't mention Jesus Christ. I should have told them about salvation in Jesus Christ, and you didn't do it. What am I saying to you? I'm saying, you're sinning when you're not doing those things, Amen. Because the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart. Hand them a track. Tell them about Jesus Christ. And you're not doing it. These are sins that you never even dreamed that you would do when you were a young Christian because you never even dreamed you would be working for the Lord. So now, what do you got? Now you got all the sins that you grew up with, all the sins you're trying to keep from cussing and smoking and drinking and fornication, all these other sins. Then you got on top of that, you got all the sins you're finding out about envy and strife and hatred in your big, big mouth and the tongue and the words. And then you add on top of that, you add on top of that the works that you should be doing. And you're doing these things, you know you should be doing this good stuff, and you're not doing it. You see how I'm saying? It's, you're a sinner, and you're a sinner, and you're a big sinner. And as you grow in Jesus Christ, you start realizing, man, I'm, I'm not only wicked, I'm really wicked. But if you grow in Jesus Christ and you don't grow in the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ, you start getting miserable. You start getting miserable because you start growing and you're like, man, the Lord can't forgive me. The Lord, yeah, he can. He's got more than enough grace to forgive you. He wants to forgive you. He loves you. He's there for you. You just didn't realize how wicked you were. 
You're looking at it the wrong way. You're looking at it like, I'm not too bad a person. I know I'm, I'd go to hell without Jesus Christ, but I'm a pretty good person. And what happens is when the Holy Spirit comes, starts living inside you, he starts showing you just how really wicked you really are. See, and that's what people don't understand about Christianity. People think Christianity is about trying to live a certain way. No, Christianity is about realizing just how wicked you really are. Guys, the best thing I could do for you is encourage you to go and read the last words of really, really good Christians. I'm talking about Martin Luther. I'm talking about J. Frank Norris. You pick them out. Who, who died? The last words of these really good Christians. You know what they say at the very end? They say, I'm wretched. I'm no good. I was just reading this preacher, this real, real famous preacher, and he was laying on his deathbed. His friend came in and said, uh, what are you thinking about right now? He goes, I was just laying here on my bed, and I was thinking I'm taking all my sermons all the people, I, all the times I've tried to do something for the Lord. All the wor- I went all over the world for the Lord. He said, I'm taking all that. And he said, I'm throwing it out in the trash. And I'm leaning on the grace of God as I take my last breath. Amen. He said, I'm, rick- I'm wretched. I'm wicked. I'm sorry. I'm no good. What is that? That's you, a sinner, becoming closer and closer to the glory of the Lord Jesus Christ and His holiness. When I went down to college, I went down to Bible Institute, and I started really getting close to the Lord. Man, I was getting close to the Lord, and man, the closer I got to the Lord, I mean, I, all the sin was in my life, and it was just, I was like, the devil's after me, the devil's after me. I mean, I would tell people down there, man, the devil's after me. And I remember one day I got up, and I was shaving, and I was looking in the mirror, and I was looking at myself, and the Lord spoke to my heart. The Lord said, the devil's not after you, Keegan. I'm just showing you you. And I got to look at myself in the mirror, and I was like, yeah, yeah, that, that's not the devil, that's me. I'm getting close to the Lord, and as I get closer to the Lord, the light's getting brighter, the light's getting brighter, the light's getting brighter. And all those sins that I tried to hide in the dark corners of my life, all those sins I tried to hide real in the dark places that nobody could see, that light of the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ was starting to shine on those sins. And I was realizing as a Christian, man, I'm wicked. You know what I had to do? Get down and find the grace of God. You better grow in grace. You need it more than you realize. Here's how you do it. James chapter 4 verse 6. But he giveth more grace. Wherefore he saith, God resisteth the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Guys, The secret to a lot of this is humbleness. It's humbling yourself down before God and admitting you did a sin, admitting that you're wrong, admitting that you're sorry, admitting that you're no good, admitting you can't do it without Him, and humbling yourself down and saying, Lord, I'm just wicked and wretched and I need you. And God says, I got grace for you. More grace than you could ever imagine. But when you stand up and you start being proud and you resist, the Bible says he's not going to give you grace. And you might be like that tree I talked about that's a, that looks like it's a fake tree. you got fake grace. You think you're in grace, you don't have any grace. You're not tasting that the Lord is gracious. You're thinking you don't need to taste him. You're thinking I'm okay, I don't need it. You do need it. Man, I'm, I've had a Christian come up to me and he said, I don't understand how God can love me. Well, I don't, if you knew what I did, there's no way God could love me. You don't understand the grace of God. Yeah, nobody would, I can't love you. 
tell me all your sins. I'm not going to love you. I might not want to have anything to do with you. But that's not God. God don't, I don't have the grace of God. I don't have the love of God. He has that love for you. He has that grace. Do you understand? This is the grace that you can't comprehend. This is the love that no man can comprehend. It's that grace that God has for us in Jesus Christ. But if you're going to be proud and resistful, he's not going to give it to you. But if you can learn to humble yourself down, God resists the proud, but giveth grace unto the humble. Man, that's the ticket. That's the ticket. Look at 1 Peter 5. And I'll show you that it's the same verse, but I'll show it to you again. 1 Peter chapter 5. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 5. Grace is for those who need it. God gives grace to those who need it. The problem with so many people is they don't think they need it. I need it, brother. I need it. I I can't go without it. I'm not talking about I need it next week or I need it maybe tomorrow. I need it now. I need God's grace now, and I know I know me, and I'm going to need it tomorrow, and I know me, I'm going to need it next hour, because I'm going to mess up today, and I'm going to mess up tomorrow, and I'll mess up in an hour. I know me. And I know some of y'all. You need grace too. Amen. Look at verse 5. Likewise, you younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another, and be clothed with humility. See, that's being humble. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. Amen. There it is twice. I give it to you twice. He resists the proud but giveth grace to the humble. You know what the key to this whole Bible is? Humbleness. There's an incredible power in humbleness, guys. If you can learn to humble yourself down, you're going to go real far in life and you're going to go real far with God. But if you're going to be proud and think there's nothing wrong with you and proud and think that, hey, I don't have any problem. I don't have any. I've got myself pretty cleaned up. You're just waiting for a fall. And you need to grow in grace. You need to taste that the Lord is gracious. See, look at verse 6. Humble yourselves, therefore, under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. God wants to exalt you, but you're going to have to humble yourself first. Look at verse 7. Remember, memorize, and write this verse down. Casting all your care upon him, for he cared for you. That's why you go to God. That's why you go to Jesus Christ. Because, see, he cares for you. So you cast all your sins on him. You cast all your problems on him. You cast all your sorrows on him because he cares for you. You cast it on him and let him handle it. And you can grow in grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. You know, when we give... When God gives grace, he gives grace to the people that need it. When we give money, we give money to the people that need it. Amen? Amen. We don't give money to the rich people. We give money to the poor. The poor that need it. Not to the rich. So God's, that's why God warns about riches. Because, see, you're rich, you don't need it. You don't think you need it. Can you imagine me going in Brownwood? You know, some, and Joker knows some of these houses. Some of these houses in Brownwood look like, man, it'll look like a mansion to me. Three-story houses, got four cars in the driveway. Me going up to the door, knocking on the door, and one of them rich people come to the door. Yes, may I help you? If their butler doesn't answer. And they come to the door and say, yes, may I help you? And just reach in my pocket and hand them a $20 bill and say, you look like you need this. Can you see the, the turn of the What are you saying? You look like you really need this. <laughs> That's what we're doing with the gospel. They would feel insulted if you did that, amen? Do I look like I need 20? Do I, look at this. 
Look at that jalopy car you drove in. I have four cars that are ten times worth more than what you drove up in and knocked on my door. Do you think I need that $20? They would feel insulted. Now, to some of us in this church, if you offered us $20, we'd rip your hand off. Hey, I'm not too proud. Amen? Humbleness. That's what you're doing with the gospel. You're handing the gospel to a rich man, and he has everything the world could offer. He doesn't think he needs anything. Some of your times you're wondering, why is the Lord humbling me down? Why is the Lord giving me this sickness? Why is the Lord giving me this financial problem? Why is the Lord? Well, because the Lord wants to humble you down. <laughs> so you'll be, able to be willing to take the grace you need. You won't take it because you're acting too rich and high and mighty, and you don't think you need it. God's not going to give it to you. You need to humble yourself down. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to thank you, Father, that you do love us. Father, you're willing to humble us. And Father, we just want to grow in the grace and knowledge of Jesus Christ. Father God, there's some of us in here, Father, that are, man, we're dealing with financial problems. We're dealing with health problems, Lord. We're dealing with family problems. Father, we need you. We need your grace, Father God. And we want to taste of you and know that you're gracious and taste how good you are, Lord God. And Father, I pray, Father, if there's anybody on the sound of my voice that's dealing with some kind of problem, Lord God. And they're willing to humble themselves down before you, Lord God. And come to you, Lord God, that you'll honor that. You'll give them what they need, Lord God. Show them the peace and give them the grace to bear what they're going through, Lord God. We want to thank you for your grace and mercy, Lord. Thank you for giving us something we don't deserve, Lord God. Thank you for the free gift of salvation in Jesus Christ. And Lord, above all else, Lord, we want to thank you for your words that we can read it and study it, Lord God, and we can find out all we need to know about grace and how much you love us and want to take care of us. I'm praying this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hello, this is Pastor Keegan Hall of Indian Gap Baptist Church. Are you sick and tired of this world? Are you sick and tired of this life that you're living? Did you know that God has a free gift for you? It's the gift of eternal life through Jesus Christ. Have you ever received this gift? You know a gift can be offered but not received. You can bow your head and ask Jesus right now to save you and give you his free gift of eternal life. Now you might ask, how do I know he'll give me this free gift? Because I did the same thing, because I bowed my head, knowing I'm a sinner, and asked him to save me, and he did. And I've never been the same. And this life with Jesus is a thousand times better than anything this world can offer me. Now, we would love to hear from you if you want to contact us at IndianGapBaptist.com. Until next time. Casting all your care upon him.